Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You sure I can't get anything started for you? I'm okay. I'm waiting for someone. A friend. Well, we used to be friends. We kind of still are. Maybe. Hopefully. She might hate me. Can I get you some business but mine with me Kara Berry. I guess we can all celebrate that coronavirus is officially over according to um, everybody in New York who has just decided to congregate outside on the sidewalks and drink and have merry making times with their friends while their masks are around their necks. Um, Yeah congratulations you guys. People have gotten bored so apparently the virus is over. Um, what else happened this week? Good things. We uh, collectively as Americans, I think, decided to just celebrate Juneteenth on a massive scale for the first time. If you guys don't know what Juneteenth is, I highly recommend that you do your research, do your Googles and figure out why people are celebrating, why this um, date is so important for American history, Black history in particular. Um, you know, a lot of people were hitting my Venmo. Thank you so much for that at Cara Berry. Um, and yeah, it, it's been, you know, a, a decent week, a, a decent week, we'll say. Um, what else? I have to make announcements about the podcast that I was on this week. Um, if you guys wanted to hear my thoughts on part three of the Vanderpump Rules reunion, you can hear that on the Is This Real Life podcast, um, that came out on Friday. That was great fun with Mandy. Uh, I was also on this week's episode of Mixing with Monty. And that was, you know, always a good time to talk to Monty. We talked everything from 
more Vanderpump rules, <laughs> Real Housewives of Potomac, Real Housewives of Atlanta, all that great stuff. Um, what did I want to talk about? You know, I keep talking about how like I'm not a Bravo podcast, but guess what? One of my um top stories this week has to do with a Bravo celebrity. I have been just in the past couple of weeks really been getting into Queer Eye. Not well, I guess I should correct myself. I have been watching the new seasons of Queer Eye. I've really been enjoying the Japan season. It seems like people have very mixed feelings about the show and the cast and whatnot, but I have to admit, you guys, something that I I was wrong. I I had one incorrect opinion and that was about one Bobby Burke. Now when the series first started, I was like, oh my gosh, Bobby is so boring. He has no personality. I don't get what it is that he brings to the show, but I think it's fair to say he brings more to the show than anybody. He does so much hard work redesigning people's homes and spaces and, you know, like giving them sort of like a fresh start, a true renewal, if you will, um, and really like helping them reorganize their lives, have a more functional space and all of that. Um, with that being said, he came on a podcast, the, uh, excuse me, on a, the Jenny McCarthy show and actually was talking about a, um, I guess you could call it sort of a blind item cause he didn't really say who this housewife was, but they were talking about how, you know, he's an interior designer and he was talking about, you know, working with different celebrities. So he said, celebrities can be a pain in the ass sometimes. This um, article is on Us Weekly. said, a lot of times there can be some that expect everything for free. And then he recounted a story with a Bravo star who he did not name on the show, but I'll reveal who it was. He said, I had a New York housewife come into my store years ago in New York. And she was like, oh, I'm buying this new place. Turns out, of course, she wasn't buying it. She didn't even own the last one she had on the show that she said she owned. And then she says, uh, she's like, I want you to come in and design it all. I'm going to put you on the show. He, you know, was not the star that he is today. And he was like, you know, I still kind of like the housewife. So I'm like, okay, just so you know, like I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it for free. Um, you know, I don't necessarily know if like the housewives is something, the kind of exposure that I want anyway. So she said they agreed to a fee. So he thought everything was fine. Her husband then calls him and is like insistent that he do this work for free. And he was like feeling very attacked, basically. And he said, you know what? I'm actually not going to do it for free. I'm not going to do it at all. I don't need this. We're cutting ties here. So the next week she came into his store. He was not there. He, she told the staff that he told her that he could, she could take anything out of the store that she wanted to design for her house um, for a shoot they were going to be doing on the show. And she gave her credit card information and said, you know, if I don't bring anything back, you can just catalog everything that I took and then charge me for the items that don't come back. So basically says months down the line. So she took a bunch of stuff months down the line. He was going through his inventory and was like, where is this item, that item, this item? And they were like, oh, they're at this person's house. And he said that, you know, by the way they were saying this, you could tell that they fucked up because they had been scammed. So what happened is that like when 
they tried to call her to get her stuff back. There was no answer. So when they tried to charge the card, it, it the card didn't go through. It was declined. So then he confronted this housewife and it was like, you stole the stuff. And she threatened him and said, you know what? We'll go to court. It'll be good for TV. It's easier for us to just have our lawyer deal with it than it would be for me to actually pay you, which is like, what? <laughs> How does that make sense? Um, so basically he says, you know, when he first met this woman, he said, you know, oh, I thought, you know, initially I thought she was great, but I didn't really know her. And, uh, from, because of that experience, he is now like really picky about who he works with. So the internet did some digging and <laughs> naturally the first guest was Ramona Singer because she kind of has a history of stealing things from people, especially like she did with the dress with Bethany when she came on the Bethany Frankel uh, talk show. And, you know, frankly, if we had to guess, we, I think the collective guess would be Ramona, but came out <laughs> that it was actually Aviva, um, which makes a lot of sense. Aviva was a really really unwell housewife right like she just seemed very entitled remember when they went to um oh i can't remember what what um island they went to but this was like she was afraid of flying and she wanted the girls to you know i expected you guys to have a banner saying good job aviva good job for getting on that plane and and um actually coming here and she said that like Reed had to, her husband had to get on the plane with her. She called Ramona and Sonia white trash. Um, obviously the leg throw happened, you know, the prosthetic leg heard around the world. And wow. I mean, I can't say that I'm surprised. Um, oh gosh. Do you remember when she accused Carol of having a, <laughs> having a ghostwriter for writing what, remains her first book and then she called her writer girl <laughs> she was really a really a hot mess and oh my gosh if she was a hot mess it's like we met her disgusting pervert father who basically said like he was gonna have a boner in his casket when he died like it no wonder no wonder the apple does not far fall far from the tree uh, so yeah, um, people went and did some digging and found some tweets of, of Bobby's that basically confirmed it. Apparently he had been liking tweets and comments that had asked him or had alluded to, was this Aviva or not? Um, so yeah, funny story. I mean, to the surprise of no one, um, speaking of Apple's Far, fall, not falling far from the tree, um, Megan O'Donnell of Bravo Happy Hour and I have decided to do a series called Mommy Dearest. So I just wanted to clear up what, because um, I, I feel like I wasn't being clear about where you can find it and whatnot. But the premise is um, we are going to be deep diving and discussing the relationships between um some of your favorite and least favorite housewives and their mothers you know 
uh, we started out with Mama D and Deandra from Real Housewives of Dallas. Um, we're going to be doing Candace and her mom of Potomac. We're going to be getting into Tinsley and Dale, Candy and Mama Joyce, all, all the hits, all the favorites. So what is going to be happening, happening in terms of the release of the podcast is we are going to be dropping it. Um, we're going to be switching who drops what episode. So every other episode you'll hear it and we're hoping that it'll be out once a month. So this week it came out on my feed. Um, and then next month you can check it out on the Bravo happy hour feed. So I would subscribe to her, not just because of mommy dearest, but also because she does great, um, Bravo news. She gets into the behind the scenes stuff, the, the news that happens off the show, all the, you know, current events and headlines. Um, really awesome. I've been on the show multiple times. Um, she's a great girl, great friend, great lady, great lady podcaster. Um, so yeah, you can check that out on my feed now. Next month, it'll be on the Bravo, Bravo Happy Hour feed. Um, what else? We had to have, uh, there were, I was surprised, but there are some updates to the Lori Vallow story. She, um, there were some documents that had decided, that the courts had decided to unseal. Um, so basically on Friday, there were probable cause affidavits that were unsealed, um, getting more into sort of like the details of what happened, um, timelines with the kids and whatnot. This is sort of like the minutia that I really love that kind of got me interested in podcasts from the beginning was the whole story. Um, oh my gosh, what is the name of this podcast? <laughs> the biggest one cereal um with yeah the story about oh my gosh just just what a story um so w one of the best parts of cereal for me was when they got into like the cell phone towers pinging um different locations and how they were able to map of course that story was from like absolutely like 20 years ago or something so technology has clearly gone a long long way since then and yeah, this is part of that. So Chad Daybell, who is the husband to Lori Vallow, new husband, um, basically what happened is that they were able to ping locations to um, Lori's brother, recently deceased brother, Alex Cox. Um, they, so Lori lived in... New Mexico, Arizona, they moved to, she, she, her kids, and then Alex separately, her brother moved to Rexburg, Idaho, and they ended up moving in the same like condo apartment complex. He moved, he lived in, moved in with her initially, and then moved to a separate apartment pretty close by. <clears throat> so in terms of the kids and the timelines of when they went missing, Here's what happened. Alex took Tylee, who was a 17-year-old daughter of Lori, to, um, oh my gosh, what is that place? The Grand Canyon, <laughs> I believe. And so this was on, I think, September, either September 7th or September 8th. September 8th. They went there on September 9th, which is a Monday, um, from 12 a.m. to 12.44 a.m., they have Alex located at his apartment 
However, at two, excuse me, all I went into a total coughing fit. So back to this. So, okay. So they went to, they went out of town, Alex and Tylee, they came back the next day. Alex was at his apartment from 12 AM to 1244. He was in his apartment. However, between the hours of 2.42 to 3.37 a.m., um, Alex is located <clears throat> back at Lori's apartment, um, where Lori lived with Tylee and JJ. So this is apparently significant because not only there is, is he there like in the middle of the night, which is very strange, um, this is also the only time in September that he appears to go over to Lori's between the hours of midnight and six o'clock in the morning. So that night he returns to his apartment at 4.37 a.m. And then at 9.21 a.m. he is located at Chad Daybell's apartment, uh, property rather. Um, so the GPS data point, which is tracked to help with, with help from the FBI, placed him, Alex, near the east end of the barn and he was still at the property until 1037 and then ends up leaving the property from there. So what happens then is that, um, excuse me, they went to Yellowstone, not the, not the Grand Canyon. Um, so what happens at that point is Chad texts his wife, Tammy, who is still alive at this point, And he texts her at 1153. So the brother leaves around 10.30, 10.45, around 11.53, he texts, Chad texts his wife and says, well, I've had an interesting morning. Mm. He said, I felt like I should burn all of the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. So this is like a, an alibi for why he had a fire that day. He's then, he says, while I did so, I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. Um, then he said, I hurried and got my gun and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He is now in her pet cemetery. Fun times. Now, as a Southern lady, I know that raccoons are nocturnal animals. It is very uncommon for you to see them during the day. Um, certainly not like merrymaking on a fence and why you would shoot one in the middle of the day is beyond me. Doesn't make any kind of sense. So people, neighbors around the property did remember hearing a gunshot during the day, um, around those dates. And so where the brother was, the last time they pinged him on the property, Chad Daybell's property is around the same area that they found the kids. <clears throat> Now, Lori had been saying up to, like, for a couple of years now, leading up to the deaths of these children, that she had called both of them zombies. She had, somebody was on the phone with Lori at one point, and she had referred to Tylee as a zombie. She had said that JJ was a zombie and had been, that she found him crawling on the tops of, like, the kitchen counters and just, like, doing various, like, weird things that probably didn't happen staring at her all things that were like very delusional and weird so in terms of what happened to that day that they found 
the bodies on Chad Daybell's property. So apparently what happened is he was on the property at some point while they were like tooling around in the backyard. And then he went in his car. He was watching the police um, and the detectives and stuff from his truck across the street, which is where his daughter lives. So when they found, I believe it was JJ's body, and this is a trigger warning for you guys. I'll give you guys a few seconds if you don't want to hear the details of these children. Okay, three, two, one. Okay, so apparently, um, I, I won't get into who, but like one of them was burned. One of them was found in a plastic bag and duct tape. Um, so apparently when the detectives found the bodies, um, Chad then drove off and then they had to like find him and arrest him from there. So, you know, obviously they both knew exactly what was, they were doing. Um, there was a, I think there's a, um, 2020 or Dateline, um, interview with people that knew him. And I believe it's coming out tonight, Monday night. Um, but there was a preview that came out that basically kind of answered my question of like, how is it that two people like this get together? Like, it's like a truly like a match made in hell. How do they end up like, like, um, encouraging each other? How do two people like this meet each other? And how do we get to this point? So a former friend says that I saw him Chad as a hand and Lori was a puppet on that hand. Um, the friend's name is Melanie Gibb. She said they were both like gasoline and fire, equally destructive to each other. So in a way they both had deception in them and they both lie. Um, so that was the common thread is that they were really good at lying to each other. <clears throat> it seemed like a good fit for them to be like that with each other. Um, so yeah, I mean, just like a very horrific, I feel like we're not ever going to get a full story of what happened, how we got there. Um, it's it just very scary to me. Um, very, very scary. And yeah, so that's the end of Chad and Lori watch for this week. Let's move on. You guys, there was a Thursday night massacre, if I've ever seen one occur, in the form of um, an interview that comedian-slash-writer Z-Way did with the internet demon-slash-colonial princess Caroline Calloway. I loved every single moment of it. So if you guys don't, if you're not familiar with Z-Way, she does a web series called Baited, where she interviews mostly white people some people of color some black people uh, about uh, race relations their personal relationship with race with black people with black culture racism all all the really fun conversations that can be had around that typically it ends up being highly uncomfortable and awkward for the person that she's interviewing um and this week she announced that she was going to be doing an interview with caroline and y'all i have not looked forward to something like that 
in months. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I have a very complicated history and relationship with Caroline, as I assume everybody does. If you're, you know, a, a rationally thinking person, um, I find that she suffers from high self-esteem and from the high that I guess comes with these elite degrees. Um, so she came on. <laughs> it was an incredible and incredible thing to behold. Fortunately, all the thing, all the interview you can catch on uh, Z-Way's YouTube channel. It, I think it's just at Z-Way. And yeah, I mean, some highlights include um, saying that she began her relationship with racism in 2018, um, noting nine different books that she had um she wanted to talk about that spoke to it were written by black authors that spoke about representation and racism and um all of these things and then admitting that she only had read four of them and that the other five were on the way <laughs> she um compared cancel culture with the death penalty and saying that she had similar feelings about that and um, her father's suicide was somehow in the mix of that. Um, gosh, what else did she say? She noted a book called White Fragility by Robin. So there was that. <laughs> um, gosh, what else did she get into? I mean, it was just like, I, I mean, like performance art. It was perfect. It was... They started to talk about James Baldwin, who apparently is one of Caroline's fave and actually is one of Z-Way's favorite um, authors. And then her agent starts calling her phone <laughs> and the internet connection messes up. It is amazing. Um, she sort of paraphrased a James Baldwin quote. Um, one person asked her what her, if she could rate her um, level of, white guilt on a scale of one to 10. I believe she gave it a 10. Um, she also stated, somebody asked her about reparations and <laughs> she said that she gives money to black women all the time and that she donates or she, she sends black women a hundred dollars so often that she probably has given more money to black women than she has, um, actual, uh, charitable donations. Oh gosh, what else uh, did she was drunk? She had a cocktail of uh I believe she said white wine and spindrift lemon. Um, there was somebody asking about the um anti-semitic uh, picture that she had posted on Twitter that was in reference to um her arch nemesis Natalie and saying that she didn't have any idea that that was anti-Semitic. Um, she, it, I mean, it was just an incredible, an incredible interview. So I highly recommend that you watch that. Um, yeah. And let's get into the actual interview that I did with um princess of the by pumpkin podcast we're talking about all of season four of insecure so i hope you guys have 
watched it and caught up on it. The season finale was last week, so hopefully you guys have caught up on everything. If not, there are going to be spoilers abound, so I would wait on that if you're not finished with the season. Um, you guys have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I love you. Bye. The season four of Insecure on HBO just finished last week. With me to talk about all of the things that happened is Princess. Hello. Hi, Kara. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm always happy to bully my way on. And this is one of the few times I didn't have to send out my minions to be like, when is Kara going to have me on the show again? So I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for you, frankly. <laughs> um, <laughs> what? Let's talk about like your relationship to Insecure. Were you a fan of Awkward Black Girl back in the day, the YouTube series? Absolutely. I watched that on YouTube. I would be like in office jobs and I would just put that shit on play in the background and listen to it and giggle over and over again while I was doing my bullshit work. I remember when she announced that she was going to do a show and I was like, well, what about Awkward Black Girl? Like I was so upset because I thought like nothing could possibly be better than what she was doing at the time. But yeah, Insecure is really, really delivered. I think the reason you were like you felt that way is because awkward bla- awkward black girl was black as fuck, and it was definitely like something that was ours in a way that things like blackish are not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, it felt it did feel like a lost and a loss. And I was wondering, like I too was wondering, when you get on TV, what what's going to be different? What, how, how are they going to fuck this shit up for us? Exactly. And I was pleasantly surprised that Insecure is black as fuck and has all the great elements of Awkward Black Girl, except they've got some money, some production budget. So I'm into it. Yeah, and I think the great, the great way the great part about the show is that it's so layered and it's so like um like it excels on every area that I want it to be it like you know they use their location in a way that like you know like a sex in the city did back in the day like they use the city in a very like intimate way even though I'm not from LA like you get the vibe you get the whole I wish I was from LA watching the show I know it shows a blackness of LA that you don't get on other shows like it's not it's not about like West Hollywood it's not about like the LA you see on TV it's about the black part of LA that is very real that I wouldn't know anything about if it wasn't for Insecure or you know a couple of other resources Right, because what we are taught about Black LA is like, you know, people are fighting and there's gangs, there's, you know, heavy police activity and there's, you know, Mm -hmm. such a rich cultural uh, area that like I never would have known had I not gone there myself, just based on what we're shown on television. And the second layer to that is the music. She, Issa is really adamant about using local artists, artists that are local to LA, artists that are more indie. They're really, like, really good about, like, they're intentional with their music. Everything kind of fits the mood. The other thing being the cinematography, like, amazing. So good. How do they utilize light? How do they utilize, like, different 
parts. Like there's this whole part where she's with Lawrence this season and they go on an art walk and they're in front of these like blue and red bars and they just stand there and it's just like the shots are incredible. The way they yeah. use the lighting, how they light black people is oh. something you don't see. It's just like really rich and saturated. And, it's like And to oh, explain but- that to people that are listening to this that don't think about the way black people are lit on magazine covers and, and movies. Um, like I, maybe you've never thought about this, but light hits different colors in different ways. And so often, especially if there's a white person in the scene, if a black person is being lit, they're being lit incorrectly. The they're being lit for white people and it yeah. makes them look different. Um, Keenan Ivory Wayans, what a blast from the past, tells this great story about when he first came out to LA, how like things like going when he first started starring in movies, like being in the makeup chair, they would just slather him with Vaseline mm. <laughs> instead of like actually giving him proper makeup. And it changes the way you look. And it's why we talk about. Kerry Washington being on a magazine cover and being lit badly so she looks like a white person and that's not actually her color. She's been she's been like uh kind of blown out in terms of lighting. We talk about um when they're talking about things like moonlight. Moonlight was lit yeah. for black people, the way our skin looks. The so I feel like this show and and actually, I think I heard maybe it was the first season. Maybe it's continued. I heard that Raphael Sadiq was um, heading up music for the show. Yeah, he was. Um, Solange did in the first season. Um, I don't know if either of them are still doing it, but who, I mean, whoever's doing it now is continued in a in a great, fantastic way. Yeah, but that's a vibe. If you think about a Raphael Sadiq, if for people who don't know, that's Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, he's also done. I mean, things outside of that group. I mean, he's an an amazing mu- musician. Um, yeah. If you think about his vibe, Solange's vibe, like that tells you a lot about what this show aspires to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's very like of the time. It's very a culture that's like that we just don't see like a lot of the things on the show you just don't really see and even like the costuming and what Issa wears and what her Molly hair. their wardrobe their hair how their hair styles change all the time like it, the the furnishings and the apartments and and how that tells the story as to who the characters are like it's just a really fully all-encompassing situation that I really really appreciate yeah the detail that they put into yeah. this damn show it, I mean it's incredible so I appreciate, all... I appreciate that I've talked about Insecure as well on my podcast, but one thing I really love about it is how the, black women, when they wake up in the middle of the night, are wearing headscarves. Because uh-huh. that's how we go to sleep, most of us, not everyone, but a headscarf is an important part of going to bed. And Issa shows up, like, when she's walking around her house in the daytime, and she just woke up, she's got a headscarf on. That's like a small detail that people writing black women don't always get. Right. They don't know any black women. They're just, they just have written a white character and then made them black. Right. Yep. You're totally, totally right. Um, so, you know, I also just like appreciate like the little details of small things that make the show like really good. Like 
later on in the season, we see how Lawrence and Issa interact and you really get a feel for like, yeah, they did have this long term years long relationship. And so they know each other in a way they have like a shorthand for each other and they joke around with each other in a way that like you get that they were in a long-term relationship. Like you understand these relationships, you understand how like Issa and Molly get along and the dynamics between different people, like it all makes sense. And it's not just for like the show of it. Right. Right. It's very intentional, not lazy writing. Um, So we, you know, we had a long break between season three and four and, I was very grateful to have it back. So when we get to season four, we find that Issa is dating a guy known as TSA Bay. (laughs) (laughs) And he is for sure not her type. Like, definitely getting, like, rebound vibes. You know, they're having very awkward sex, like, trying to work out the positions with each other. He's very Mm -hmm. Betty, she's like, you know, it's just not a good fit. But then you see that, like, they kind of have a rapport with each other. But, like, we all know that this is not going to be, like, a a permanent relationship. Right. Um, And then we find that Ollie, Molly is with uh, Asian Bay, Andrew, who just, like, mm. Fine looking man. That is a fine man right there. So I can't believe he had to chase her ass down. To uh, get her to date him. That's a fine fucking man right there. He's so hot. And, like, he's even hotter in real life because he's Australian. But he's, <gasps> like, yeah. <laughs> accent, too? I will. <sighs> I know. He's gorgeous. Just, like, and, you know, we find that Issa and Molly, who are, like, the main characters who have, you know, they make up the crux of, like, the relationships that we see, um, both with each other and, like, who they're dating, and so the girls are kind of, like, in flux, but, like, sort of trying to make it work, trying to work through, like, their past issues, you know, Issa had, in season three, a bunch of, you know, go influxes with her career and where the direction of that was going to go. And then we see her that like, she's actually like trying to make this block party work. That's going to be like her big career situation for the season. Molly's got some issues from season three with the relationships that she formed with in the uh, law office that she works in and the lawyers and but they're also like so they're trying to make their jobs work but also trying to make their romantic relationships work and we see that like their relationship between Issa and Molly is really really not great the communication poor and they're like kind of ignoring it being really passive aggressive with each other being shady but they're not talking about it and they're instead like focusing more on what's happening outside of their relationships. And it's, it's, it's really sad to see like the downfall of their, their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that their downfall of their situation is like something very common. Yeah. Um, if you think about sitcoms, which this isn't a sitcom, this is a dramedy. It's, which is the word I first heard when the game got revamped remember that show oh. <laughs> the 
game got revamped and it moved to BET to become a dramedy. And that's the first place I ever saw Jay Ellis, too, by the way. Um, yeah. I remember he was on there with uh, Lauren London. And uh, But in sitcoms, the longer you watch, the more a character becomes a parody of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Rose season one of Golden Girls is very different from Rose season five of Golden Girls. And right. But that's also how life happens, too. Like, when you first meet someone, and especially, I think they met when they were in college, you vibe with them, you have all these formative experiences with them, um, you kind of get to know who they are. The more they become themselves over the years, the more you're like, well, wait a goddamn minute, is this another St. Olaf story? Because you tell those all the fucking... Like, it's, it's very much... Um, you can get on each other's nerves, and you guys can travel to a place where... Um, it feels like the other person is standing still. And I think Molly and Issa, as, and starting off this season, even the little digs they were giving each other, like, you know, you don't have, your life doesn't have to be this messy, or you know you're always doing this. They mm-hmm. have, they both have the impression that the other person has not, like, grown at all in their relationship. They they've been expecting something a little different and these and each of them is like well Molly always does this and Issa always does this and they're kind of getting tired of it yeah yeah and it, it, but you can tell that they also like sort of want to make it work but they're not really doing the hard work they're not having the hard conversations and you know it all comes to a head eventually mm-hmm. um i think Another thing worth mentioning in the beginning of the season is we see um, their mutual friend Tiffany has given birth to a daughter and things are not all that it appears, it seems. Um, We find out that, you know, the daughter was not what they, you know, it wasn't really on their timetable. They were planning on having a kid in like two years from when they had her. And we see her continuing to kind of like shirk responsibilities of being a mother not really be into it and eventually we see that she like runs away and seemingly has a breakdown and I kind of wish that they had spoken about it more and gotten deeper into that because we don't find I mean this assumption is that she's suffering from like postpartum right she doesn't really seem to want to be around the baby Derek is doing a lot of the work. Kelly, their friend, is doing a lot of the work. We see her, like, caring for the baby. Uh, uh, Tiffany's out there partying and, like, not wanting to go home. And and I thought that was, like, a really interesting thing. I just wish that we had seen more of that. Yeah, it seemed like they, I mean, we only, the episodes are, what, 30 minutes long? Mm-hmm. Uh, no commercials, so you get the whole 30. But, um and I think, how many episodes are this season? Nine or ten? Ten? Okay. Yeah. So we don't get that we don't get that much in these in these episodes. So it seemed like they tried to sprinkle it along, but I agree. I want more Tiffany. I want I definitely want more Kelly. Kelly seems to be like incredibly funny, incredibly ghetto. Like the stuff she says is just wild. But she also seems incredibly comp- competent because it's either season two or three that Issa has to go to her to help her figure out her fucking finances. Mm-hmm. And Kelly's basically like become a prostitute because this is <laughs> your numbers don't go, your numbers don't add up. So it seems like in her professional life, Kelly is 
more of a Molly. And yeah. in her personal life, she's more of an Issa. So I'd love to see, like... And the, and, the, and the actor who plays Kelly is actually a writer on the show. Yes, Natasha Rothwell. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. She kind of looks like um, Carrie Washington and Save the Last Dance to me. Like a bigger version. Think about yeah. that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> she does kind of look like Carrie Washington. You're right. <laughs> um, but yeah, Kelly is like an underrated fave. And I know she has stated like that's intentional. Like she knows that everybody loves Kelly. We all yeah. know that everybody loves Kelly, but it's like, you know, I, I just try to sprinkle her in when we can. Like the fact that like at the block party, she's pretending to be British. <laughs> she's, trying to, like, she's trying to pin herself out to um, one of Molly's vendors at the Lisa's vendors uh, party. Just it's, she's so funny. Last year she got, or, or maybe the year before she got tased and pissed herself at Be- Beachella. Yes. And she says, remember me different. And I mean, it's just so <laughs> funny. <laughs> So good. Incredible. Um, then we find out, okay, so like I said, Issa's main storyline in terms of her career is that she's trying to do this block party for her neighborhood, doing local talent, local food vendors, and she starts working with a lady named Condola, who we find out is dating her ex, Lawrence. Yikes. <laughs> Not great. I, I have to ask you, Kara, are you part of Lawrence Hive? If were were you one of the uh, people that felt like he had been done wrong and I I no, I could never be on either of their side because I felt that they were both at fault for that. Yeah, I felt that they were both at fault. And we'll talk more because we have to talk about the rest of the season. But I have never wanted Lawrence and Issa to get back together. Really? No, the I mean they got me. With those two episodes, and I was like, okay, maybe this. And then, you know, they they played with my emotions. But I've never in all these years because Lawrence is a part of their friend group. So we, even though Lawrence and she broke up fairly early in the series, Lawrence has continued to be around, and we follow his story. We followed him getting chlamydia. We followed him fucking everything in a twenty mile radius. I mean, I understand Lawrence is a good looking man. Okay, that's a good Jay Ellis. Oh my goodness. They have five men on the show. Five men, and thank God because they utilize those sex scenes like, ooh, God bless. Yeah, I've seen his ass a lot. (laughs) Remember when he went to the grocery store, didn't have any money, and those two white girls picked him up, took him home, and and had a threesome with him? Yes. (laughs) Like, this this could end up with you being killed, Lawrence. Like, I don't know why you would go home with them. Like, what's wrong with you? Oh my gosh. Um, Oh, just a side note before I get on. um, I think another great thing about the show is how they utilize black actors and actresses. And also there's always like an inside joke running show theme. Like this season was finding Latoya last season. They were all watching a show that was kind of like a Martin take like a sort of like a martin thing yeah i mean and the way they utilize like we see portia from real housewives of atlanta we see kim fields from you know real housewives of atlanta (laughs) (laughs) just a lot of a lot of people you just said that she would be livid that you said kim fields (laughs) 
I know, but also, you know, Regine from Living Single, Tootie from Facts of Life, um, you know, she's got the range, she's got the range. Um, the way that they sprinkle in, like, these, uh, what do you call it, like, um, what do you call people, yeah, cameos. Um, but, yeah, what was I talking about? Okay, so, yeah, we find out that Lawrence is dating Condola, who is working with Issa on this project. Issa and Condola try to make their friendship work because they really liked each other before she found out that she was dating Lawrence. And it's a really nice relationship. And we kind of see, like, Molly kind of side-eyeing the situation. Like, I don't like this for you. We see, you know, Condola and Lawrence kind of having to deal with her working with his ex-girlfriend and... You know, Condola and Issa cool at this point. He and Issa are cool at this point. They're not like they're cool, you know, but they're not like your friends with my girlfriend. Cool, exactly. They're not like best friends or anything. But if they see each other, they don't have a problem saying hello. They could be in the same room, even though I don't. I don't know why you'd be listening to this if you didn't watch Insecure. But I'm gonna remind you guys: Issa cheated on Lawrence while they've been together for about five years. Lawrence had been going through some sort of depression because he lost his job. And he basically was sitting on a couch, like not even trying with this relationship for, I, I want to say it was over a year. And so there's a lot of like baggage on both sides there. And they have figured out a way that they both move past it. So they're in a good place, but they're not in a good, like, let me go out to dinner with you and your girlfriend, who's also my best friend and very important to me getting this fucking block party off the they're not that close yet. Right. Not not at all. Um, so then we see Lawrence and Condola kind of end up breaking up because it, it just kind of doesn't work on their end. And then, you know, at the block party, all this mess happens. We, you know, leading up to the block party, Issa and Molly's relate friendship gets worse and worse and worse. Um, Andrew, Molly's boyfriend, works for like some like a music label or something like that and so Issa tried to get some talent um, Live Nation. yes she tried to get Issa tries to get um school big Q to headline the block party he falls through so Molly reaches out to uh excuse me Issa reaches out to Molly to try and get like a hookup through Andrew and Molly says you know, I think you got to be on your own. Like, I don't want to be involved in this. I don't want to involve my boyfriend in this. She and Andrew are like working out their relationship. And she's just like super protective in a way that I think she went too hard for. What did you think about that? I was appalled by Molly's behavior. Molly is holding a man that I, at the most, she's been dating him six months. And so it can't be that long. Mm -hmm. um, it might be three months. She's been dating him for a very short amount of time over this, I'm assuming, decade relationship with Issa. I mean, if they've been since college, they're in their early 30s now, I guess. And so, like, I couldn't believe, like, Molly seems like such a smart person, but she seems so thirsty in relationships. Like, she's yeah. desperate for a relationship. And I... That's just, you guys have heard me on this podcast many times. None of you need to be in a relationship. None of you need to be married. It's not even fucking worth it. If you find one, that's awesome. If you don't, even fucking better. Don't fucking worry about it. So watching her be like, you know, I'm just trying to protect this relationship. I'm like, 
That relationship is six months old. You don't even fucking know him. You don't even know what he looks like in winter. Like, I know he's hot, but what the fuck, bitch? And I just felt like what it really was about was that Issa is changing quite a bit. And Molly is really reliant for her to stay in this one place as the broke friend, the friend who don't always know where she's going to live, the friend that can't even afford to pay her bill when you guys go out to eat, like that friend. And... Well, because it justifies Molly not having it all together. Like, it makes her yeah. feel better about, like, you know, Molly's a very type A woman. She has this high-paying job. She's gorgeous, beautiful apartment. But she doesn't have her life together in the way that she feels like she should or she would want to. So even though she's, like, annoyed by Issa and annoyed by Issa always being kind of the fuck up, it also is, like, nice for her to have that because it means that, like, she's not so bad in comparison, yeah. which is fucked up. And I think that her not, not even wanting to ask Andrew about, like, could you, you know, my friend's having this problem. Is there, like, a, can you give her an email or something like that? Could you, is there a way you could, like, help or, like, push her along? Is less about Andrew and more about wanting to be like, bitch, I told you you couldn't do this. <laughs> like, I, that's what I think it's about. Well, and I also thought, like, she felt like if Issa ends up, fuck, like, I don't want Issa to fuck this up for me somehow. Like, I don't trust her to succeed, so I'm not even going to put, like, my relationship on the line, even though that's not what would happen. Um, In any reasonable relationship, that's not what would happen. Right. That's not what should happen. Um, I think she's just like, I don't want her to mess this up because this is so important to me that it makes it work it's it's almost like not even really about Andrew it's just about her control and like yeah. if I give Issa you know if I give Issa this this help and it then I'm out of control because I don't trust her and the worst part about the whole fucking thing to me is because I re-watched the whole series again after the in after the series finale not the season finale not series i rewatched the whole series again the worst part is and the first episode of this fucking season what well, remember when Issa's taking back clothes because she's trying yeah. to be fancy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and by the way i i really like the way that almost all the characters and all the people we see are black in this show very rarely is there a white person and if they are they're either an extra or a um for a specific storyline but the girl the white girl that's at the store is like you can't keep doing this and Issa's like you don't know my life and so but at that fucking store Issa was talking about how Condola had all the contacts and was helping her and Issa didn't know anybody and Molly says well you know me and I and you know Andrew and he works for Live Nation so you know somebody so you you said I know Andrew and he works at Live Nation so why now are you like you don't know Andrew girl that's through me that's through me you don't know Andrew right you're right and so then we find out that you know Issa ends up getting Vince Staples. They, um, Molly and Issa's relationship is like on thin, thin ice at this point, but they're trying to like make it work. Molly is trying to be nice to her. She's getting her food, but Issa's really busy with the block party because she's running the whole thing. Yes. And then we and find Molly out. Molly was annoyed by that. She was like, 
she was like, oh, she can't even have time to talk to me. Like, yeah, she's she's running this whole motherfucker. She cannot. You can't expect her to like greet you and and sit next to you. You can't expect that. You're not yeah. used to Issa having shit. Right. So, so then you know they're like, you know, doing the wobble together. They're like dancing with each other and they're kind of like oh this is nice this is nice but then we find out that uh andrew kind of says something like oh i need to go talk to vince's people and she was like why and then we find out that um molly went ahead and asked andrew behind molly's back basically to for help and Issa asks uh, andrew for help he helped her no problem. He didn't see an issue with it. He didn't tell Molly. Molly pops off and they have this huge fight in the middle of the block party. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this? I I mean, I probably would not have like gone behind her back and did something, but I could also understand that she felt like she took what Molly said at face value. She didn't involve her. Andrew had no problem with it. So to her, it was fine. Yeah, and remember, she knows Andrew, too. She knows Andrew through Nate, because right. that's how Molly knows Andrew, uh, the right. guy she dated. And that's how she got the contact. I feel like Andrew's a dumb dude who did not mention this. Like, if Molly was my girl... And I had answered a text from her from her best friend who she was beefing with and helped her. I would definitely mention this immediately to her because I'm a woman, therefore I'm, I'm emotionally intelligent. But he's not. He's just like, oh, yeah, this happened behind your back. That's why Molly was really mad. And two, I feel like I'm on Issa's side, but I still think Issa could have easily sent a text to Molly and said... Hey, just so you know, I, I was able to work it out um, without involving you. Nate actually asked Andrew for me, and Andrew was happy to help. I, But she didn't because she knew Molly didn't want her to involve Andrew at all. And her pretending like she doesn't realize that is bullshit. And Molly... Pretending like this is about Andrew's bullshit. I mean, the shit she pulled out, like when she ran over to Issa and was like, uh, you always, what did she say? She didn't call her a mooch. She called her something like a user or something like that. Mm-hmm. The names she was calling Issa were not just thought of in that 10 seconds. Those are things you really think about Issa. Yeah, those were things that she has been carrying with her for years. Yeah. These were things that like she, you know, yeah, had had been wanting to say or had been holding back or had felt for quite some time and it all came out and then, you know, they're like 75% into a fight, some gunshots or something rings out, somebody thinks somebody has a gun, everybody has to scatter and then they can't really talk anymore. Yeah. Um, Nathan, who is Issa's would you call him, would it be fair to say ex-boyfriend? I don't think they really got that far. I I would just say ex. I wouldn't use boyfriend because it might be ex-slide, ex <laughs> ex-booty call. I mean, ex can, can accomplish a lot of things. They were in a, like a situationship, we'll say. Yes, they were in a situationship. 
And we find out, I mean, last season, Nate dipped on her. And totally go like totally ghosted. Ghosted to the fact that Issa got Molly to drive all the way to their house, which I believe is like way far. I forget the name, but it's like fucking far from LA. And um and that's how Molly and Andrew got together because Molly and Andrew had to like do interference while Issa goes upstairs and and rifles through Nate's room. Like Issa was dead ass wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um we find out he had a, a mental illness or, or he, he just had some mental health stuff he had to work on, which reminds me that I feel like at the end of that season, it's Issa's birthday and Nate shows up the house to yeah. kind of explain what happens. And Molly makes him leave and doesn't tell Issa he came. Yeah. She says, like, totally trying to be over, overly protective, says, like, don't do this. Don't come back. She doesn't need you. You know, and then we find out that he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, and I think he'd come to talk to her about it and just say, you know, I'm in a weird place. It's not you or whatever. I, I At least that's what I assume. And instead of Molly being like, hey, it's her birthday. Could you, like, connect with her another day? She she tells him to get out and, you know, really fucked up. Like, Issa wanted to talk to him. Yeah. And, and never knew that Molly had said all that. Yeah. Oh man. Um so yeah, this begins like the complete switch of Issa and Molly. Kelly's calling both of them, trying to get them back together. Um Issa's having like the day after the block party, she's kind of soaking in all the accolades that people are posting on social media about it, but then she's also really upset about what's happening, what happened with Molly. And she has this, like, self-care day, cleans out all the apartment, you know, is trying to, like, get herself back together. She goes to, she gets high. It's like, oh, I don't have any food. (laughs) (laughs) Goes to an Ethiopian restaurant, her favorite spot, and sees Molly sitting in there by herself. Has a real, like, what do I do? Do I stay or do I go? And then ends up leaving. And then that's the end of one episode. And then we find out the next episode at the very beginning that Molly actually saw her pull up and was like, oh, shit. Like, okay, we're about to have this conversation. Turns, like, turns her back to, like, pretending like she didn't know that she was there. Turns back around and sees Molly get back in her car. I mean, and yeah. Like, Fuck that bitch. Basically. Yeah. Um- <laughs> I watched Yvonne Orji, who plays Molly. I watched her comedy special, which was very funny to me. And But one of the things she says is that she was in an Uber and someone said that she looked like someone on Insecure. And she was like, oh, what's Insecure? Because she was like, you know, basically playing, playing it up. What's Insecure? And the old Black guy said, oh, it's about a show about these Black girls making bad decisions. And yeah. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, that rings true. There's a lot of bad decision-making. Uh, the decision not for no one to reach out. The decision for Molly to confront Issa at this event that she's running. The, you know, these are all bad decisions that it could easily be solved by just saying, hey, you know, I'm going to leave this alone, but I'm going to talk to them the next day. Or 
if it were me, someone who can't leave shit alone ever, and when I saw her run out, I would have texted her and be like, bitch, I saw you. I saw you. What's up? <laughs> right, 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 right. Totally. It, it's, you know, it's, it's like a very typical of being that age situation of like, Issa feeling like she's always the one who has to reach out, always the one who has to, like, say I'm sorry first, mend bridges first, and she's like, why do I always have to be the one to do this? And Molly's still stuck on, like, she should be the one to do this. And She needs to come to me. She's the one in the wrong. I'm not... Molly doesn't think she did anything wrong at all here. No. Everything that happens to Molly seems to always be done to her, with the exception of, like, a couple of her romantic relationships. And then we see her go, like, swing in the other direction with Andrew and be, like, overly protective of him because she doesn't want to mess this relationship up. And, but like I said before, it has less to do with Andrew than, like, just failing in general. Like, we could have slotted, I feel like we could have slotted anyone in Andrew's spot and Molly would be doing the same things. I don't think it's about how awesome Andrew is. I think it's more about, I don't want to be alone. I'm getting to the age where I'm going to be alone. I mean, she, she buys into the, she is someone who really wants, she seems like she wants to have a family. Her parents have been married. I don't know, fucking 40 years or something. And, and raised a family. And she really looks to them as role models and so she is disappointed her life has not landed that way. And it, it really could be anybody. And she'd be like, I want to make this work. I want to, this is important. And I mean, not all relationships are, are you know, created equal. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, totally. I mean, frankly, if I were dating Andrew, if I had an Andrew in my life, I'd be like, I'm going to do anything I can to make this work. <laughs> like, you're I don't so- think she likes Andrew. I, I mean, I think they get along, and I think he's very respectful, but it's all like, he, he's like good on paper, you know? Yeah. It's a good I on paper. I don't think she's like passionate about Andrew. I mean, he is laying fucking pipe, dude. But <laughs> in terms of like, their relationship relationship, she doesn't seem very passionate as by um the stuff that gets into later. I mean, when when Molly when he said he and Molly agreed that she was gonna go pick up one type of food and she showed up with a different type of food, I would have broke up her with her ass right then and there. <laughs> you don't get my mouth ready and then you show up with whatever the fuck you want to. 
Oh, you get me, Princess. Like, if, if my mouth is tuned up for one flavor, like, you can't just pull the rug under, out from under me. Like, I need to be, I need to take time to process and prepare. No notice, no nothing. It's one thing if you get there, you're like, bitch, this line is long. It's going to take, or they don't have this, so I, I think I should go here. Send me a text. Don't just show up with this, with this stranger-ass food I didn't ask for. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Right. I thought we were getting Thai food and you come home with pizza. Like, it's going to be a problem. I'm going to eat the pizza, but I'm not going to be happy about it. And, like, Molly uh, doesn't even see anything wrong with that. The fact that, that like, you changed Andrew's dinner without asking him. You tell him you, you get busy and work and he's come over to fuck the dog shit out of you and has to fall asleep waiting on your ass to be done. Like, girl, you, you can't treat people like this. You have to but that's not how she is. She, she's, she's the type of person that has really like got her life a certain way and expects other people to come in and be a part of that instead of like compromise. And right. This is why she's single. Ain't nothing wrong with being fucking single. But if Molly wants to ask that, question, Molly broke up with that dude because he was bi. And yeah. She was. She, she's broken up. Um, there was a white dude she was refusing to go out with because she knows she's gonna marry a black man, so why even bother? <laughs> like Molly is Molly got into that uh open marriage with her with a childhood friend. Molly makes fucking terrible decisions and always thinks she's right. If you're gonna be somebody's third in an open relationship, it can't be somebody that has an open invite to your mama's house. That's <laughs> not gonna work. And frankly, that was the relationship that she was most passionate with. Like they had yeah. the most like chemistry outside I of the bedroom. I want to break up with his wife. I know, I do too. But then she got pregnant. So what I are you mean... gonna do? <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> oh gosh! So then we see Molly and Andrew go on a trip to Mexico with. Andrew's uh, brother and his wife. And this is kind of like her first, like, this is our, like, you know, she's feeling really down because of Issa, but this is like a real relationship, like, landmark moment for them. Everything seems to be going pretty good. His brother's kind of like one of those guys who micromanages every moment of a vacation. But, like, ultimately, she's like... You know, she she gets the hang of it. She's enjoying herself. They seem perfectly fine. And then they have this, like, extremely awkward conversation about race. Um, Molly goes to get some towels because um, Andrew's brother, I think his name is Victor. Victor's wife gets splashed in the eye. So Molly goes to get a towel. Um, The towel lady says, we need your card to verify before we give out towels. There's like a little bit of a back and forth between her and Molly. Victor happens to walk past and shows his card. And Molly kind of like yanks it out of the girl's hand. You could tell she's really pissed. So Molly says, you know, I, it just felt this situation just felt very pointed and very racially motivated. She was like really checking for me over a towel and Victor was like, well, let me play devil's advocate, which is something a black person never wants to hear. (laughs) (laughs) The devil don't need no advocate. The devil got this. You don't need to speak for the devil. Don't worry about it. (laughs) If I hear devil's advocate when it comes to race relationships, my fist already balls up and 
you know, he's like, well, what if she just really, like, was, you know, trying to follow company policy? And Molly's like, well, she didn't do that for the people in front of me who were white, who got the towels with no problem without trying to verify with the key card. And, you know, it it gets into this conversation about, you know, they're all minorities because Andrew's Asian. But then it's like, this situation happened to Molly because she's Black, she feels... And Andrew's like, well, I don't know. And then it gets into this, like, well, Molly basically says, like, you can kind of pick and choose whether or not you want to be a person of color, (laughs) which is like, yikes, yikes, yikes. I like. Can they? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Is that a true statement? It was it was really, really tough, really tough to see. And I gotta admit that Andrew really stood up for Molly in a way that like I was like, oh, this is gonna be the end of their relationship. But he really stood up for her and took up for her. Molly ends up kind of like stomping off. Get your brother. Get your brother. Okay. <laughs> um and yeah, what did you think about that? Um like, I don't know if it was a racist incident. Um, the fact is, I we didn't see whether she asked those people for their key card. And we don't know if they've been at the pool every day this week. And she knows those motherfuckers. So she's just like, oh, here's your towel. She, like, who knows? But the fact is that I, that bothered me about this, is that she felt it was. And we're always gaslit about whether something was a racist incident or something like that. And right. so I like that Andrew was... That she, in fact, she didn't come back there ready to like call the front desk or file a complaint. She just said, "Ugh, some racist bullshit," and she was gonna let it go. It was Victor that kept picking at it, and I like so I liked that Andrew was like to his brother, "Like you're out of line because you can't, you don't get to argue her feelings." Right. Exactly. But I think what the lesson here was is that Andrew is that Molly can't let go of things because Andrew like the next morning she's like are we going out with him he's like no I just had a smoothie blah 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 we're gonna do things on our own today and he but he's like I'm not gonna let this like in my relationship with my brother obviously he's talked to him and it seems fine and later his brother is trying to make up things and I think his brother did like it act like an ass I think Molly took it to the I'm gonna fuck you up place (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when she easily could have also been like, you know what? I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to talk to the devil's advocate. I let's just, you know what? Let's drop it and let's move forward with something else instead of like letting it escalate. But that's what Molly does. She doesn't quite. She doesn't quite know how. You know, she's very. In the first episode, Issa describes her as Molly from the hood. Lord, Molly, the lawyer from the hood that all the white people love her. All the black people love her. She played dominoes, and she be writing these briefs. She can she can uh, do the wobble, and she can show up to your like <laughs> to your right. big. She can do all of this stuff. Molly Cole switches like nobody. Right. But I felt like at that moment we're on vacation with a significant other and their family. I've just met and. Now is not the time for me. I don't know. It's not the space for me to threaten to fuck somebody up. I, how about I try to defuse it 
while still telling, being like, no, I don't think you're right. And I don't think you have a right to come over here and decide what happened to me. And that would have been the end of it. But she's got to the point where you better get your brother. You better get your brother, and, <laughs> which I love. I love any fight that devolves into somebody telling somebody else to get their boy, get your girl. <laughs> I love that. Like, he's in danger. Get him. Get him. I love that. <laughs> but not the right thing to do. Yeah, it was a very complicated conversation between, like, Black people and then people of color. And, yeah, but you're right. Like, at the end of the day, they were on vacation. It was a conversation that should have gotten heated if you had known Victor longer or if there this was, like... In, in, like, if she were more familiar with him and was like, oh, man, like, this is about to be my family, so I'm not going to, like, have this, you know? It just... Yeah. It was just sad. It, it was it was really sad and awkward and complicated. Um, but she comes back from Mexico, and we she runs into Lawrence. He has just gone to gotten back from San Francisco. He was interviewing with a company, and they have this like awkward conversation where he's like, "Oh, I just got back from San Francisco," and Molly's like, "Oh, you got it, dude." <laughs> <They're both> like, <laughs> It was just so funny. And then we see um, Lawrence leave. And as, like, the doors are opening for him to go outside, he calls and says, like, hey, do you want to get a drink? And it's like, oh, who's he calling? Condola or Issa? And we find out it's Issa. Wait, is her name not Condola? Condola. That's what I've been calling her. Yeah, me too. I One time. (laughs) Because... uh... Funky Dineva calls her condolences. Because <laughs> he says her name is stupid. And he's sorry for her. <laughs> I don't like the, for the... That's so funny. I don't like the... Um, Condola is so much easier for me to say, but it is Condola. Um, it's a better name. Condola sounds better. <laughs> it sounds like a name. Condola is... It's too much. It sounds like a... Like a food brand or something. Um, vegetable oil. Right. <laughs> So then we see a date between Issa and Lawrence and, um, you know, they're at this like crazy crowded bar. They can't talk. Issa falls immediately upon uh, entering the bar, which was so funny because she sat there for so long, like longer than anybody. Like, just let me just let me lie here. Um, they're like trying to have a conversation. It's awkward. Lizzo's playing. Everybody's going up. People are like getting in between them trying to order drinks. So they end up going um, outside. They run back into TSA Bay, which was so funny. Um, and we also see, so then they go to, like, this Latin American restaurant. And they have the healthiest conversation I've ever seen <laughs> about the how their relationship broke down. It was super honest, I felt. Yeah. They both took responsibility. It was a conversation that, like, every woman who feels like unfinished with a man wants it but never gets absolutely. it was great absolutely so i need to go back to tsa bay yes. um remember earlier in the season the reason Issa doesn't fuck with tsa bay anymore was one tsa bay is ghetto as hell 
I think yeah. he's got three baby mamas and one on the way. Yeah. Um, and they're having sex, and he screams, "Press my booty button!" <laughs> <laughs> and then she has to reach around his large ass because he mm-hmm. said he's a he's a full size man. Reach around and try to get her fingers in his ass while he's <laughs> while he's yelling, "Press my booty button!" And yeah. a condom comes off, and she has to get it out of her. Oh my gosh! Yes. And basically, she said she was going to stop doing that because, like, she doesn't, like, basically, and she doesn't want to spend all her money on Plan B. And so, like, I was like, fair. So, like, when she sees him out there, I thought it was going to be something super discreet. It wasn't. He was like, hey, girl, don't you don't know me. We used to fuck. He's with a woman named Weinsda, who... <laughs> Boy, looking for her phone long enough to to like even acknowledge that we've run into a woman and that my boo was having sex with a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> so so funny. Uh so really great. Yeah, and but she's really good with characters like this with um TSA Bay. What was it? The um the blood dude that used to that always changes everything in the bees. Oh yeah, Hood Hood Yoda or whatever his name was. Yeah, um, like and like she's really good with these small characters that like just come on and like take over a scene so that she can be the straight person and, and just kind of like have all this comedy coming from them. So that was like I before they had this conversation. I feel like it's before they had the conversation. Like that happened, which really threw me off guard. And then they go in there, and they have this fucking autopsy of their relationship that every fucking woman in the world wishes they could get after a relationship. And it was like fucking emotional porn. Truly. I was just about to say, like, that was porn for me. Like, it was just like, he was just like admitting to his part and how he was feeling emotionally and how he just couldn't express that to her how he just felt like he wasn't enough and he was even thinking about moving back home with his parents and he asks her like why did you cheat on me and she says you know it wasn't even like was it specific to that guy and she was like not really like it could have been it wasn't couldn't have been any single guy like I wasn't just fucking just to fuck him like he was giving me the attention that you were not giving me he was making me feel wanted in a way that like you were no longer doing yeah yeah and, yeah and she's just... talking about how she would how she would drive around the block a couple times she'd come home because she mm-hmm. know he'd been sitting there all day and he talked about how he felt like trash because every morning she would get up and go to work and he had nowhere to go like damn Ugh. Jealous. <laughs> and the food looked good too. So I was all the more, I was like, damn, and look at that food. So, <laughs> so like it was a conversation that like it never escalated. Like they were both able to say exactly what they wanted and they were able to both like make peace with their part and what the other person was saying. It was just like a really healthy conversation. Yeah. And this is where they start. Like I said, I never want at least uh, Lawrence and Issa to get back together because I just don't believe in going backwards. I think that when you break up, you break up for a reason. 
And even if you become different people and they become different people, it's, I don't know, it's just hard to put Humpty Dumpty back together again. So mm. I've never been someone that's been like, they need to figure it out and get back together. But when they did this, I was like, shit, should they get back together? Mm. <laughs> right. And then she goes up to go to the bathroom and he gets a text from Condola saying like, oh, I know you wanted me to, I know we were planning on coming out, hanging out on Tuesday, but can you come over tonight? And we see him be like kind of conflicted, but he texts her back like, yeah, like I'm doing something. I'm in the middle of something, but I'll hit you back later. So then they go to this art walk and they're having like a cute moment. He and Issa and, you know, Condola keeps texting and he keeps like pushing it off, pushing it off. They um, end up getting a car together because Lawrence tells Issa that he actually lives like quite close to her now. And they, he buys a piece of art at the art walk on the way to his house. She makes a joke about like, oh, I bet your house is basically like a bachelor pad. Like there's no way that this art you bought is going to fit in that apartment. So he tells the Lyft driver, like, oh, just give her five minutes, <laughs> which, you know, is code for, like, you might as well just leave. <laughs> so on down the road, man. She ain't right. coming out tonight. <laughs> Check out the next ride. So <laughs> she checks out his apartment. It's really nice. Well put together. Little place. Got his little bar cart. She calls him Mad Men. Um, and they end up she says, like, well, what if I don't want to leave? And yeah. he's like, yeah, don't. <laughs> but bet- before that, he gets, she goes to the bathroom again. He gets text from Condola. He leaves the apartment. And when he comes back, she's out of the bathroom. And she's like, was that Condola? And, yeah, I, guess, I don't think we ever really figured out. Like, I think he did say, like, oh, I, I'll come over later. But then, obviously, he doesn't because they end up doing it all night they end up making love because that's what they fucking did to each other uh, they did what i do to sandwiches from firehouse subs they <laughs> made love to each other and again they got me because i was like okay now i don't know if maybe it was the end of season two or maybe it was in three i'm not quite sure which one but Issa's moving out of the dunes and she needs to give that couch back to Lawrence because it's Lawrence's couch. And the couch that we watch him fuck all kinds of people on. But (laughs) uh, she has a daydream that Lawrence comes over and they get back together and they get married and have a baby and shit. And even then I was like, "Eh, move on, Issa. But after this episode, I was like, okay, so we're back in it. Totally. And we are. We're back in. I'm back in. They're, you know, basically it's like a throwback to season one where we see them doing everything on the couch. They're laughing together. They're eating together. They're fucking in every corner. the internet together and like laughing at whatever you find um and things seem to be really good between them yeah it's a shame um she they have a conversation she gets a text from nathan who she had kind of like gotten back in touch with earlier in the season 
Um, and he needs her. She promised to help him move into his new apartment. So he texts like a follow up to see if she's actually going to come. And they're playing music. Lauren's like, oh, who's that artist? She looks at her phone. She sees the text from Nathan and was like, did I tell you about a guy named Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> did I ever tell you about the one, about this guy <laughs> with like a reddish beard and light eyes? You know, I never said nothing about that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And she's like, well, I just want to be like completely honest with you. They still have not, like, had the conversation, like, the what are we doing? But they're obviously, like, hanging out all the time and enjoying each other. And, you know, she's like, I just want to be honest with you. Um, He does want to help me. We had a thing. He wants me to help him move in. But I don't have to if you don't want me to. But I also don't really know what it is that we're doing with each other outside Uh of spending time with each other. And she's like, well, did you have a conversation? with condola and we find out that he says he did um and broke things off with her officially which i don't believe do you it's hard to believe knowing what happens next because if he did have that conversation okay so if it's true it means that when we find out when Cadola says she didn't want to involve him, like she really wasn't going to involve his ass. And somebody was like, no, you got to at least go over there and say something. And, right. or it means that he's lying and he didn't have that conversation. Um, or maybe he had it over text. Like she was, she was like, I want to talk to you. And he was like, you know, you know, uh, I, I feel like I've learned a lot during this relationship. Thank you for like giving me the chance to, get to know you and all the fun we had together but I think it's I think it's best for us to move on and that's what he means by because you know dudes when they say we talked they can mean anything they can mean that they gave you the head nod on the fucking street they don't they don't know what talking means right <laughs> it could mean that I told you we were gonna hang out and then I never hit you back it yeah. could mean literally anything it could mean yeah. I was going to have a conversation with you, but then we ended up having sex and then I left and now things are weird, which is most likely what happens. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, um, I don't know if Lawrence, if Lawrence is lying, I don't know that Lawrence knows he's lying. You know what I'm saying? I think he's, in his mind, I've said what I need to say to Condola and it is done. Right. I, I don't think they had half the conversation that he and Issa had at that restaurant. A girl... Perfect. Nobody's had a conversation like that ever, okay? (laughs) (laughs) True, 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 true. Um, So things end up being fine. They, like, kind of make it official at that point. And he's like, you know, I have no problem if you want to help Nathan move, like, whatever. Um, So then we see... We find out that um, Lawrence actually gets a job in... No, not yet. So she wants to have a conversation because she's like still conflicted about whether or not she should help Nathan. So she's like looking through her phone and is like, you could tell she really wants to call Molly, but they're not speaking to each other. And, you know, she wants for her advice and stuff. She asked her brother. Her brother's like just agreeing with everything she says. He was eating. He he had time to give no advice. He was eating. (laughs) <laughs> he literally said, you get what you pay for and hangs <laughs> yeah. up. And it, it's just like, 
it, you know, she really wants to talk to Molly. Then we find out that she does. We don't see it on screen, but they end up getting together. And they have a, a very avoidant conversation. Like, they clearly enjoyed each other's time. They clearly enjoyed hanging out with each other, but they don't get deep into their issues. No, so, they don't talk about why they're mad. No, not at all. And you could see that, like, Issa gets more out of it than Molly does. She still feels very conflicted because she feels like Issa should have come to her and started the conversation about what was going on with them. But she doesn't also do any of the work to try and initiate the conversation. So while Issa feels better, Molly's still very conflicted. And Molly goes to her therapist. And the therapist really clocks her and is like, why is everything, why do people always have to come to you? Why is everything being done to you and you never really take responsibility for your end of things? But also, like, does this relationship with Issa really serve you anymore? Like, maybe you've outgrown each other. Yeah. That's something that's possible. Yeah. It happens all the time. I mean, I, I don't. I think that, like, I've had plenty of friendships I've outgrown. I've been on phone calls with people being like, oof, that's the last time I'll talk to you because I'm about to change my number because I can't talk to you no more. Like, I've done that myself. Like, I've had those brunches where you're, like, in it with somebody and you got to come have this brunch and you guys are still kind of friends, but you got to talk about it. Like, we've all been there. I just think that the two of them really identify with their friendship. Mm-hmm. So just saying what it is, is hard for them to be like, you know what? I don't think you treat me like a person. I think you treat me like a charity case and you're really comfortable with you being up there and me being down here, but it's not going to be like that forever. And I think Molly, I, I feel like she should just spit it out. Like you, I do a lot for you, Issa. I've been a very good friend to you. And I asked for one thing for you not to involve my boyfriend in your stuff and you did your best to you did mental gymnastics to get to the point where you thought it was going to be okay and you didn't come to me about it so I don't feel like you respect me I it's fine for them to say that I but I think it's too hard for them to let go of that friendship it's so it's Molly and Issa Molly and Issa mm-hmm. and who are they without each other there's too much history. There's too much chemistry that they have with each other. Yeah. Too many inside jokes. Like, yeah. you know, like they just fall right into that banter with each other. And it, it's hard. It's hard to go and have that difficult conversation. But so then Asa goes and helps Nathan unpack. But you can tell he's like trying to hit on her. And she's, like, very awkward about it and just kind of comes out with it and says, you know, I am back with my ex. And Nathan's, like, mostly supportive, but he's, like, mm, I don't know. Well, if you cheated on? Yeah. He's from Houston. I know they, the actor might not be from Houston, but the character's supposed to be from Houston. And so he talks, like, I don't think that's a Houston accent. I don't think people from Houston talk, like, they're down on the bayou. It's very close to the bayou, but it's not. So, uh, I don't like one you cheated on. Oh, he seemed kind of sometimey. I mean, he did get the word right sometimey, but I, I was like, 
And I also don't think Issa, he was hitting on Issa. I think there was a familiarity there that Issa was um, dis- was the uncomfortable with now that she knew that it was never going to happen with him. I don't, he, like, he opened the door and she said a bunch of crazy things and then, like, fist bumped him. He didn't even get a chance to, like, hit on her. She was just already in there, like, what the fuck is this gonna be? Like, I feel like she should have just canceled. Wouldn't you? He has, a, he has a swag that makes it seem like he's hitting on you. Okay. You with those like, white eyes, and then you're like, oh. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. I see what you're saying there. Amy's <laughs> talking all slow. You know who else talks slow? Do you ever watch Queen Sugar? No. There's a guy on there that's really hot that everyone loves. I forget what his real name is, but he's Ralph Angel on the show. And he talks so slow and low. And it's not like he's telling you a slow-ass secret. And all the ladies love it. Me, mm. Meanwhile, I'd be in there like, could you speak up, Ralph Angel? Ralph, what? <laughs> what? Ralph, I got to go to work. Okay? You got to spit it out. What do you want? Right. <laughs> I, I think people mistake it as sensual. So that's maybe what... You know, maybe that's what's going on there. And Issa's like, I don't want no part of this because I'm trying to, I cheated on Lawrence before and I'm trying not to go back there. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, he he's like, you know, I really want you in my life. And she was like, well, you did ghost on me. Like, I, it's hard to just ignore that fact. And he was like, well, you know, I didn't do it on purpose. I was going through some mental health issues. I found out I was diagnosed with BPD and, you know, I still really want you in my life. I don't want to mess this up. And so they decided to form a friendship and it's really refreshing and healthy. Um, is it? So then, go ahead. Is it? It is good. Um, it is <laughs> I, I don't think it's going to work out for them. I, I don't. I don't know. How I, many friends with your exes? Ex anything? Ex? What do you call ex situationship? How many friends? How are you friends with a lot of people that you used to like? Do the oompa oompa with? No, I usually have to cut it off because they still want to have sex with me, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> or, so, uh, next season when it starts, and Nate is trying to cuddle in the bed with Issa, even though she's like, whatever her relation, her situation is at the time, and he's just like, oh, come over and I'll make you something to eat or cuddle with her on the couch. We know where this is going, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, so then we see them like later hang out. So it was Nathan and Issa, Molly and Andrew. They go over to Andrew's place and they're hanging out and things are like kind of awkward, but Molly's being like a good sport about it. They're doing a drinking game and Andrew gets up to get another bottle of wine and Molly sends a text who she thinks is to Andrew, but accidentally sends it to Molly said, see, I'm trying with her, which I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And then Molly texts her back, like, I don't think, or Issa texts her back, like, I don't think this text was meant for me. And you can see Molly's face, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, it, it just, like, things were so, like, good, and they were all joking and laughing and having a good time. And then Issa was like, well, I gotta go, because you can't come back from that. 
and they have their conversation of like you know molly is like you know i just don't think we're for each other anymore like i don't think we're really meant to be friends and molly or isa's like okay and molly's like well is that it and isa's like well what you, like yeah <laughs> like my uber here be like please let's stay friends or whatever i mean molly you don't want to said it and she what? said okay and he's like, what did what did you expect? What did did you honestly expect her to be like, no, Molly, like please, like, no, you you said you're done. So we're done. Okay. It, and I and either way, I can't be around you knowing that you texted other people's shit. You're not even saying she didn't say none of that shit. She wasn't aggressive to her, she didn't do any of that. When she got back from that brunch and talked to Andrew, it was like, oh, she's still fake. I was like, no, you're fake. You sat right there with her, smiling and laughing and doing all the shit. I would never trust her again. I'd be like, no, I don't know whether we good or if we're really good or not because you cannot. I, Kara, if I have a problem with you, trust and believe you'll get a text and be like, so I hear you mad at me. And that's how we'll start. Like, I would, I can't <laughs> let shit go. I love the elephant in the room. I pick it up. I carry it around, pat it on its head. I don't let that shit go, okay? So I would have hopped on that brunch. I would have sat down. I'd be like, before we even got our drinks, I'd be like, oh, so we in a fight, right? <laughs> exactly. You tell exactly. me why you're mad at me. And then I'll tell you why I'm mad at you. And we'll figure it out. Either we're going to leave this brunch and not be friends Oh, we're going to be like, oh, this was stupid. Let's forgive each other. But you're not going to send text messages to people in the same room I am acting like I'm a burden to you. Like, I would have been so fucking mad. Woof! I would have been so it's, fucking mad about Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just, like, truly, like, not something you can come back from. Like, what? you expect me to, like, beg you after you just... Embar- that's embarrassing. Like, even if that's just something that happened between them and the other people in the room didn't know, it's like, I'm leaving. Yeah. Gotta goodbye. Now, you say that something you can't come back to, but what happens at the end of this episode? Well, 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 well. So, Lawrence gets the job. He lands a job in San Francisco. They, he needs to decide to still make it work. She says, you know, it's only a 45 minute uh, plane ride to San Francisco. And honestly, like, I don't have a whole lot going on here. So if our relationship continues to go well, like, I'm open to moving. And what I noticed that we see Lawrence, Lawrence's face kind of be like, mm. <laughs> really? I thought he looked happy. Was that wrong? I, I feel like he looked happy, but then he was also looking, like, kind of pensive, like, maybe this is going to be too much for me. And that's what I thought the issue was going to be at the end of him, just, like, in, like Nathan saying he's sometimey, being, I thought Lawrence was going to be like, yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Like, I want to do my own thing and move to this new city and, like, open myself to new adventures. That's what I thought the problem was going to be. Um but we get this wild goose chase to go find Tiffany because uh, Molly and Andrew have this, like, argument about what happened. And she kept getting a call from Kelly. So she finally answers the phone. We find everybody get together at Tiffany and Derek's house. We find out Tiffany has been missing since the night before. Um, and so everybody goes to find her. 
they go on this wild goose chase all over LA to the taco spot, to the bar, and they end up taking a bus to a hotel. Kelly gets in a fight with somebody. Where's the baby when all this is happening? Is the baby with her or at the house? The baby's at the house. So her mom is there taking care of the baby. Um, so then they end up finding Tiffany at a Sheraton <laughs> and, um, uh, they end up getting like Derek and she and Derek basically go off. She says like, you know, I don't know what my problem is. Basically they end up hugging and that's sort of the end of that. Um, so then we get this like kind of breakup between Andrew and Molly because they go to a work mixer for her and we see him kind of get annoyed and then they have this conversation basically about how Andrew's always kind of like trying to accommodate her and fit into her life um there was a Victor his brother tried to do like a mea culpa and invite them to it was a basketball game a Clippers game yeah yeah but Molly doesn't want to go because she still feels some type of way and Andrew's like takes it in stride at first, but then when he gets back, he's like, Well, are you gonna be ignoring my brother forever? Because that's not gonna work. And Molly's still kind of like digging in her heels about this situation, and he's like, I, I can't do this. Like, this isn't healthy. We can't have a relationship like this. And Molly's reasoning for not wanting to end the relationship is because they have never been this far deep into a relationship either of them and so is all this work that we six did. months seven months maybe eight months in at this point <laughs> she over here she over here acting like she's been married 35 years and got six kids talking about when we come so far eight months molly really if that's the farthest you've gotten and the yeah. most work you've done in any relationship then that is a big deal then you need to be paying your therapist twice as much to figure out what the fuck is wrong with you. And also, like, I agree. It's not, like, Andrew can't tell Molly how long to be mad. And if Molly don't want to see the brother, she don't have to. But I also agree with Andrew that, like, I'm not going to be in a relationship with somebody who I've been dating for eight months and we had all these problems and you hate my family, too. We're not going to do all that. Like, if you want to be with me, you got to figure out a bridge on this. And she's not willing to. She's dragging him for work functions. Who the fuck wants to go to your work function when they don't know anybody? They just have to follow behind you laughing at inside jokes they don't even know what the fuck you're talking about. And you, Molly, what the fuck is your problem, okay? Hey. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, the fact that Andrew, because they started this conversation before the shit, the night, the adventure trying to get Tiffany, and he was still there waiting for when, when they got back or maybe the next morning or whatever. Yeah. The, the fact that he continues this conversation proves to me that Andrew's a good man, okay? Because I would have been like, yeah, yeah, go find your friend. We already broke up anyway. Don't worry about it. And I would have just left. I like, you, she can't compromise. She wants everything her way. And she thinks Andrew's the problem. Andrew's not the fucking problem. It's right. you. There's a reason that Andrew broke up with you. Issa don't want to fucking see you. Your mama and daddy mad at you. The people at the job hate you. There's a reason. If it smells like shit everywhere you go, it must be you. So, like, check your shoes, bitch. She's absolutely the common denominator, and she doesn't see it at all. Yeah. Um, 
yeah it, it, it's just really tough so he you know she's like basically begging like we've invested so much into this we've done so much work with each other i know it's only been a few months princess stop laughing <laughs> i'm sorry she hasn't seen him in all the seasons yet she don't know he get bucked during the fall she don't even fucking know she doesn't, she doesn't know this man oh gosh um but he's like are you really trying to stay in this relationship for us yeah or is this just because of all the work that you feel like you've done like what is the real reason behind it and she is like uh you really see her like really trying like the the things are turning the wheels are spinning and she's like i really don't no, she doesn't oh, answer. She can't come back with nothing. She pa- she <laughs> right. Once you go past three seconds, like <laughs> that's your answer. <laughs> you know? Yeah. She could so- Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Uh, so on the flip side of that, we see Issa come back from the wild goose chase to get Tiffany and uh, Lawrence comes over and he looks like fucked up emotionally and says, uh, basically, I met up with Condola and she is pregnant. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is a storyline from the game. <laughs> this happened in the game with Melanie and Derwin. Damn, like it was just like we get the flashback between his conversation with Condola and their his conversation with Issa of like Condola, like you said, is like you know I I'm not gonna have an abortion. I've already had one. I want kids, so I'm not gonna do this again. I feel like this is my time. Lawrence is like, I do not want to have this child with you. <laughs> Lawrence, Lawrence was was angry without being like real fuckboy with it. You know what I mean? But I yeah. can see him being like, no, you can't. <laughs> You gotta get like he really was about to be like, I'm gonna throw your ass down some steps because we are not having a baby. <laughs> oh my God, he was literally trying to get find every way. Like, are you sure it's mine? Are you thinking about ending this? Yeah. Why now? 
right. He's like, just like trying any way to escape from this. But Condola's like, you know what? You can be as involved as oh. you want. I've already made peace with the fact that I'm going to be a single mother. So whatever involvement you want in this child's life is up to you. Great. Thank um, Condola. Baby, we can't just go to the, we're not going to be able to go to the court and be like, well, she told me I didn't have to do anything. The judge is going to be like, bitch, that's not legally binding. You know what I'm saying? This is what it is. Yeah. And so the thing that I was, made me confused about whether or not he actually had broken things off with Condola when he said he did to Issa is because Issa was like, how long has she been pregnant? And he was like, well, this happened before I knew that I was, I got my job and before we were a thing, which is like, okay, well, that's only been a couple weeks if you want to get real technical. Well, yeah, because I think Condola, I think um, insecure storylines are, I mean, seasons are always really condensed. I feel like this whole thing happened within six months. So I feel like Lawrence broke up and Condola broke up Maybe three weeks before he calls um, Issa in that in that airport. Maybe two weeks. It wasn't that long. It wasn't like they broke up months ago and then he got then he started. Con- I feel like it was very close to each other. So I can believe Lawrence. I just it's really fucking messy, and I listen. Condola has a right to choose. She does. She can decide. It's her body. But Black Twitter, Condola, you need to be scared because <laughs> have you heard of Ray Carruth? You Somebody might hurt you, okay? Oh. They do not <laughs> want you to have this fucking baby. Black Twitter is mad at Condola. They are so fucking mad at Condola. Black Twitter is Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. But, yeah, I mean, it's her choice. But I think, I think honestly, we're going to find out that, that Lawrence had been really technical about what he was saying. And to say, like, I found that we this happened before we were a thing. Like, do you mean before we started fucking or before we officially decided to be a thing? Because those are two de- very different dates. Um, and, what did that, remember uh, Lawrence dated that ghetto girl that worked at the bank? after Issa, and he slept with Issa while he was still kind of stringing her along. He was supposed to go to meet her family and shit, and she told him that he's the worst kind of fuckboy. He's the one that don't even know he a fuckboy. Yep, exactly. That, like, so I wouldn't be surprised if it came back just like you said, like, she, like, I had sex with you, and then two nights later I had sex with Condola. And when I said I talked to Condola and it's done... I meant I'd just taken my dick out of her and it was done. <laughs> right. Right. Like, it's fair to say that Condola knew that they weren't the thing that they were before, like, and things had gotten weird, but people sleep with each other after things get awkward and after things fizzle out all the time. Like, to the point where it's basically standard. So, <laughs> I don't know. Lawrence are doing right now. What? Exactly. So Issa says, you know, this is like a thing that I can't really get over. And, you know, this is too much. And we see Issa go to the Ethiopian restaurant and who is there but Molly. And the season ends at them just kind of like sitting down being like, I'm glad 
you're here. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for calling me. Well, and she didn't say it was too much. She said it was a lot. Yeah. Which is different. Yeah. We don't know what next season is going to bring. I mean, I will say that I'm very angry at the end of this episode. I'm annoyed with the Condola being pregnant stuff. I'm tired of people playing with my fucking emotions. I'm mad at Condola. <laughs> I'm mad at when I said Ray Caruth, I was talking about me, Condola. And I was oh like, my God. I'm, I'm mad at Condola. I'm mad at Lawrence. I'm mad at Issa for bringing me down this fucking road. And I'm angry that the two, Molly and Issa, that have real fucking problems together. And the two of them have issues in their love life and immediately come in and come back together. And I'm mad because I'm like, but no, you two got problems too. Right. You figure that out. It can't just be, well, I'm having issues over here, so I'm going to run to a safe place. That's not fair either. Yeah, that's a, that was exactly my dissatisfaction. Is like, oh, they're just joined together because they're now two broken people again, and the playing field is sort of leveled because they're kind of back at square one. Mm-hmm. Now, Issa doesn't really know what to do with her career. That's kind of a question mark. There, things have like kind of started, but now Molly's single, and she, you know, it just felt like they're united in their brokenness and not because they fixed anything. Yeah, they're back to season one. Issa hates is unsure about her job, but she used to hate her job, but she's unsure about her job. She's unsure about what the fuck's going on with Lawrence. Molly is unhappy at her law firm again and has a fucked up uh, love life. They're back at the first episode of season one. Um, What do you think Issa and Lawrence... How do you think that situation is? Do you think that's done with? Or are they going to try it out next season? See, I I don't know. I'm really bad at predicting insecure. Um, <laughs> which is a good thing. It yeah. means unpredictable. But I, I don't know. Like, I'm wondering if Lawrence decides to, like, quote-unquote, do the right thing. And then doesn't end up moving to San Francisco. I mean, he can still move to San Francisco. He's still there. But will he? I don't know. Um, I think I would be really dissatisfied if we see Issa and Molly go back to being friends, but not we don't get to see them address their issues with each other if they come back in the next season and it's just like assumed that everything was worked out between them. Right. I'd be disappointed too. Yeah, I mean, it seems like if Molly was upset at the restaurant, then that kind of tells us what happened between her and Andrew. Um, I don't know. Good for you, Andrew. Run away. (laughs) Good for you for having boundaries. Uh, I don't know. What are your predictions? I don't really know either. This is a certain type of show. Lawrence and Issa would stay together anyway. And next season would just be about um, establishing boundaries and, like, getting through baby mama drama. But Lawrence can't not be in this baby's life or the audience will hate him. And that means he can't be on this show anymore. So he's going to have to, like, go all in. I think what could happen is that he and Issa try to work it out. It's not working out. It's not working out. Then Condola has a miscarriage, right? 
mm-hmm. not caused by me or Kid Fury, who's also furious at Condola. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, and everyone, and, and, you know, Insecure loves to make us think something's going to happen, it's not going to happen. So then we're all, all, the whole audience is like, oh, okay, now Lawrence and Issa can be together. But no, they fuck, they can't. This has changed everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't think Lawrence and Issa are going to end up together. I just don't. Um, I'm ready for, uh, Insecure brings us some good looking men. I'm ready for some fine ass men to come into Issa's life and like wreck shop on her and really digmatize her and re- like I'm ready for that so I think we should start next season with Issa single uh, still checking Instagram to see pictures of the sonogram and <laughs> shit like that and trying to move forward and she runs into something new I think that's what I'd like to see but you know like Shonda Rhimes Issa Rae love to play with our emotions so who knows what the fuck she's gonna show us next season and it might be two years Kara it might be with COVID and shit it might be years from now before we see the next season right you're totally right I I heard her on I think the keep it podcast and she was like do you guys want to see like coronavirus like should I enter that no. into the secure universe and no. yeah I, I'm the same I'm the same I- None of these shows better come back and show us coronavirus because I lived it and I don't care. Exactly. It was boring. (laughs) (laughs) What Uh, I do want is these protest storylines, especially in LA, especially with this type of cast. I'd love for there to be, instead of their fighting Latoya, I'd love there to be some central like issue that's happening and towards the end of the season protests break out. I'd love Tiffany to be against because, you know, Tiffany... Tiffany is... Not that black. <laughs> I love for Tiffany to be like, no looting. I love for, for Kelly to get uh, tased again. I love for like, that'd be okay, but I don't want to see y'all in masks. Like, sitting in your houses. I mind if they just wear the masks, but they don't address anything else. <laughs> like, for no reason, they're just like all six feet apart at restaurants with masks on. Really? <laughs> we won't get any more sex scenes, Kara. <sighs> I don't know. I feel like Kelly, Kelly would break quarantine Absolutely. without hesitation for some dick. Kelly's got at least two jail bays. Kelly, I think I feel like Kelly goes to the fence at the jail and breaks corn. I feel like Kelly Kelly does all kinds of shit. I I also feel like um, it would be also such a nod to everything that's happened if the first scene of next insecure starts with Issa and she's in a mask and we're like oh shit they're gonna do the coronavirus and then she like turns out she takes it off because she's like I don't know spraying pesticides or something <laughs> right <laughs> like, oh real like gotcha <laughs> uh, princess do you have any other thoughts about the season no, I just, I really like the season. I love Insecure. Part of the reason that we fight Issa on Twitter and stuff and beg her and for new episodes and are like, when is the new season coming out, Issa? I see you out here on a red carpet. Are you writing? Like, let people get aggressive <laughs> with that woman. <laughs> and, 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 uh, but the reason when people do that is because there's no show like this on TV that shows black women in their 30s doing real ass shit that they don't have it's not 
like they're actually black women. They're not like light skin. You know, what I'm, I'm not saying light skin women aren't black, but you know what I'm saying. Like all colors, all shapes, all sizes. Just like, and this is this looks like a world I wish I could live in. And yeah, I mean, it is kind of reminiscent of living single, in which they're all yeah. kind of at various stages of their success. They're all trying to make it work. They're all just like three-dimensional people who are real people in this world and not just caricatures of who we typically get out of black people on television we should get a living single reboot uh they were talking about it not not i don't want well i don't want a revival i don't want the same cast and see them 20 years from now or 30 years from where we left left them i want a reboot i want black women just like I want girlfriends. I want girlfriends to be on a streaming site so I can watch it every day. I want shit like that. Um, We don't get too much of that. And some of the black shows like are kind of problematic. So I'd love to see more of like just black women living their best, best lives, being magical, being fucked up, getting digmatized, getting into fights. I love all that. I love it. I, I do too. Thank you so much for doing this, Princess. Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay, so I'm taking a bit of a social media diet for the month of June. So I won't be active back until July, and hopefully everything will be all better again. So <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. But you can follow me at okay then Princess on Twitter and Instagram. You guys can listen to me every Sunday on Buy Pumpkin Podcast, where I just talk about niche, vintage reality TV from my perspective. Um, and you can find that on Instagram at Buy Pumpkin Podcast. Kara's been on the show. You definitely want to listen. I have. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Good luck with everything you got going tonight because you just gave me a laundry list and I'm about to take a nap for you. Uh, <laughs> girl. It's hard out here for a pimp. You know how it is. I <laughs> really, girl. <laughs> All right, you have a great day. You too. Thanks, Kara. Bye.